I want to ask the following question, and this really has to do with part two of tonight. What page do you want us to turn? We're on page, we're on page uh, 32, honoring one's parents through speech. That is, there's a, there are shadows and shuvas that, um, but called Mishnas Cohen. It's written by Rav Yosef Cohen. He asked the following question, and I think what he's really getting at is something that I, if anyone here got the sources, we're probably all thinking. Does a child really need to think, really need to believe, let's use that word, that his parents are roaming? Was roaming? Romimus. He said God is roaming. Is are so laudatory, so amazing, unbelievable, and great people. What is he asking? He's asking our question. I think it's been bothering all of us. I can serve my parents. You tell me to uh, bring them food. Okay, I'll bring them food. You can tell me to speak nicely to them. I'll speak nicely to them. But to think in my heart, to really, really think that they're, the, they're such great people, what if, what if they're not? What if they're just an ordinary person? Fair question. And he brings it around. He says it again in a few pages later. I think we're going to spend the bulk of tonight actually going through this chuva. He says, listen to, listen to, what, listen to the thing. How can you really think your father is so great? Even more and above, beyond everyone else. Oh, let's you know what? Before I even say this, I want to read one more piece, one more passage. This comes from Chaim Shmulevitz. Chaim Shmulevitz was the Rosh Hashiva in the Mir. He wrote, he was a tremendous Lamda. His Gemara Shiram were unbelievable. Why is he famous? So he's famous really in the, in the world because he has something called the Sichas Musr, which are Musr Shvuzen, ethical talks he gave over the course of three years, and that became like the book everyone knows, Or Chaim Shmulevitz, Sichas Musr. And everyone forgot about the fact that he has all these books on the Talmud. It happens to be the background that was, uh, someone passed away, and they kind of asked him, can you step up and say this year? And he's like, okay, fine, I'll say it for three years. So he says as follows, and I think this is going to take the question we have and totally compound it. Not just do we have to believe our parents are great, which we'll see, we'll see the source in a minute, he says as follows. He says, Not only do you have to think your parents are great, but you have to realize they think they're greater than everyone else. And he goes on to say, you have to think about that your parents are the Gadol Hadar. The Gadol Hadar, the greatest in the generation. It's like, yeah, Rechaim Kenyeski has got nothing on my father. The Gadol Hadar. This is what Rechaim Shulevit says. So ask the uh, ask this child this child in Shuba's uh, Mishnah's Cohen. He says, How can you really think your father is greater than everyone else? Like, we all hopefully have a sense of reality. We all know the facts, and your father can be wonderful. And he says, Look, most most men, most people, most fathers, most mothers, they go to work and they earn they earn a living. And they bring home money so they can the house can, can the house can function. And they, they keep the Torah, they do the mitzvahs, they shake the lulav, they sit in the sukkah, they light the chai candles. What does that make them? What does that make them? You keep all the Torah and mitzvahs and you, you go to work every day? Okay, call Yisrael, like every other Jew. That's who you are, you're like every other Jew. How can you tell me I have to treat them like they're one of the great gadolim, one of the great, the greatest of the generations? Like we're all, let's be honest, they're good people. We love them, but if we, it's almost, it kind of feels like, what's the story with the, uh, the there was a, 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 I think recently I heard an interview with a, 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 psycholo- a, a psychologist, 
and she said that it's it's psychology. Psychology tells us that the grandmother always thinks their, their grandchild is the smartest, most beautiful, most capable, etc. And she goes, look, we all know the truth. They're not. But my grandkids, they are the smartest and the greatest. But so his question really is, how are we really, we're really supposed to seemingly internalize a truth that in reality we know is not true? In reality, we know it's not true. So that's the question he asked, which I think is, uh, right, that bothered you? Yeah. It should bother you. Any thoughts? Well, I think it goes back to the premise as to why that commandment is on the right side of Luchos. Because in reality, are we by um, really showing Kibbutz to Hashem? So in that case, he is the great. So I just it just continuing the pattern if you, if you think along that line just continue the pattern see what Michael's saying is if it's ultimately about God so then you could, but you could continue the pattern the problem is or follow the train the chain is only strong as weakest link so you have to assume it's, but I don't think that logic holds because I, I know God's the, great, the greatest I'll tell you there was um, oh, a random story but it fits into this just because it's on my mind either way if I can say it tomorrow so for those who are listening to the recording tonight, you'll hear it tomorrow also. The, um, the Bubba Rebbe, her neighbors, so they're the first Rebbe who uh, went through the war, when he passed away, so all the Hasidim were, at the, were at, in his house. Sad day. And the African-American painter from the neighborhood came in sobbing. He pushed his way to the front. So they said to him, like, we get it. Like, you know, you're sad. You knew the Rebbe, but, like, you're crying more than anyone else. So he said as follows. I'll tell you why. Because when I... Started at first started out, I was asked to paint in the, the Rebbe's house, and I painted it. And he goes, and the Rebbe's and kept on telling me I made this mistake, I made that mistake, and this mistake. And at which point the Rebbe came in and said, "Come here, sit down." He said he put his arm around me, and he said, "Don't worry, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Only God is perfect. You're doing a great job." At which point the painter Jimmy said, "That was the first time in my life someone said to me, you 'You don't have to be perfect, and you're good.'" Why am I saying that story? Because it's a total tangent. Just to pull out this point. God can be perfect and great and amazing. No one's going to think, though, that all his subjects are perfect and amazing. They're not. Sure. So, let's see. What, let's go through the sources and we'll go through this chuva. How do we honor one's parents through speech? Says the Mechilta Dervi Shmuel, You only think it's with words, which is interesting, because what's kavod? Kavod seems like you're, you're expressing it. You're giving some sort of praise and honor. The way that the Mechilta seems to imply is actually speech comes first. If you read the Pasuk, how you mechabit someone, you give them the right title, you praise them in public, that would almost be that, that, that's what seems obvious. Lomar, also you have to give them food and drink and clean clothing, etc. But if you think about it, you can think that one way is if you're doing a free speech, and oh, this is, she's wonderful, she's, she's terrific, you're telling us everybody, that's okay, putting on this, this front outside. But is it more important that how you honor them privately, and where you're going to give them the clothes, you give them the money, you give them the food? Well, what if you just, it's, it's just even to their faces, you, you, you speak to them in an appropriate way, that's covered. Right. Like right. In, in a class, put it this way, in a classroom, when a teacher asks for respect, 
the teacher's not saying you're going to listen to me as much as they're probably saying you're going to have a certain decorum in the class and relate to me a certain way. Kama Lomar, it's not just that. And the point I'm saying, the point the way he quotes this Mechilta, I assume, and the, what Mechilta is trying to say is that the Hava Amina, as in the initial assumption is, what is keyboard? It's through speech. Talmud Lomar, it actually extends beyond that. So speech seems to be, in a way, if you had a hierarchy, speech seems to come first, at least from the, from the Hava Amina. Says the Sefer Haredim, the fifth commandment of the Sarah's Number one is speak to them, you speak to them with a sense of, uh, with, and gently. It happens to be, anyone here ever read the Igaris Ramban? Read the Igaris Ramban? It's a worthy read. In fact, the Ramban says if you read it, so you'll never get angry. Because if you read every day, you shouldn't get angry. It'll change your life. So he says, And then he says, You should speak to everyone, speak gently to everyone. So that's it's a, it's a common, not just your parents, to everyone you speak with However, certainly with your parents, speak to them in Nachas. Blush and raka, softly, gently. And with honor and reverence, as one speaks to a king. As in, I think what's the comparison is your, your parents are not your friends. They're not your friends. You can have a very friendly relationship with them, but there always has to be some sort of distance, at least on your end, where you recognize that they are... This is, the, uh, this is what the, the simple explanation of the Pasuk and it says in the, in the first parak of Sathless Kedushin that you can be the, you know, you could serve your parents and you can give them the most delicious plum chicken. I think what he really means to say is you can give them ribs. Okay. Difference in, uh, a difference in, but you can give them meat and take care of them, but you don't speak to them nicely and you're gruff and rough, so then you, so then you've, you're, you inherit Kehenim, i.e. You're not, you don't fill, fill the mitzvah. Which again also makes sense because it's not, as we, we saw already, we'll see a lot more, it's not just serving them, it's not just because they have certain needs and you're meeting the needs, but it's the, way, the whole way in which you relate to them. It's the whole way in which you relate to them. Says the Yaakov Yosef, this is, Yaakov Yosef is the son of Ravadi Yosef. If a person sees their parents in a distress or worry, so it's up to you to speak to them in appeasement, to calm them, to make them calm. Again, it's interesting because these things should really apply to everyone. But when it comes to your parents, there's an extra level here. And a child should be extra careful. You should not tell things parents will cause them pain. Unless it's necessary for them to know about the issue. So I think this, is actually, this actually also hits upon something else, which is different than other areas of halacha. In other areas of halacha, when it comes to milk and meat, let's say chicken and uh, chicken, uh, milk and meat, a cheeseburger, no matter what you do, a cheeseburger is not allowed. Oh, sir, no one's going to say it's permitted. Okay, so no matter what you say, there's chicken and meat's never going to be permitted. Okay, you want to think of Ben Pakua, we're not going to go there. The, um, when, it, when it comes, when it comes to the Yaka, when it comes to the Yaka, when it comes to parents, I think it's very true, is it becomes very subjective. Because for some parents, if you tell them certain things, they'll get really upset, and it's better perhaps not to tell them. And other parents, like, if you don't tell them, they, they're going to be more worried that you didn't tell them. I don't know, you go to Israel and you want to go over the green line. You don't tell your parents, you tell them after. 
by the way, or you do. So again, there's a certain subjectivity here. It's about what do you think will worry your parents, what will not worry your parents. So that's, that's it. yeah. You have a thought on that? No, yeah, it's, it's the truth. Absolutely. And it really depends on the parents. It probably also depends on what stage of life they're in. and what. So you have to you, you exercise the judgment to... So that, that's the case. So that, that, that's a different discussion. But when the parent says, just do something and it's not going to benefit. We wear a pink shirt today. But the point I'm trying to make here is that you're not supposed to worry your parents. Right. How do you classify worry? What if they'll be more worried they find that you, or more upset when they find that you didn't tell them? They'd rather a little, have a little bit of worry. It doesn't say don't go over the green line to the yeshuv because it's going to make your parents upset. What he's saying here is, is that if you know it's going to make your parents upset, don't necessarily tell them. Or there's a sickness, or I don't know, with my, with my bubby, the joke was never, you, you, you cough, don't tell her. When someone's actually sick, you tell her right away, because she, to, she was totally good with that. You cough, oh my gosh, how could it be? That's, she was a Jewish bubby. She, like she, she, towards the end of her life, she started losing her hearing. She couldn't hear anything, but if you like breathe heavy, because I don't know, you're walking up the stairs. Are you all right? Are you okay? So that's just, that's, 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 that's the, the question is kind of how to balance, and I think that's really what it comes down to is a balanced way of knowing your parents and knowing what will cause them worry, what won't cause them worry, and figuring out a way to, to um, navigate that. that. Does it include lying to them? I don't think so. There are scenarios where one is allowed to lie that we know, but even then, uh, just because you can't doesn't mean you should. People make the mistake, like, yeah, you're allowed to lie for peace, even if the person's going to find out later and get more upset. Or whatever it may be, so don't lie for Peter. So fine. So that's the Yosef. Comes along the Chai Adam, and the Chai Adam says something interesting as well. He says that it, uh, if we'll say it outside, if you know you can bring honor to your parents, I don't know, you, you know that you you mention your, your your father and mother's name to someone, and they're gonna go, oh, let me tell you about them, and they go on and on how wonderful they are. There's actually a mitzvah to do that to invoke your parents' name, almost at random, if you know it's going to cause them to have honor. And certainly, if it's gonna be the opposite, if they weren't the most uh, Nice, the nicest of people, and you mention the name, and that causes people to say, oh, you know, let me tell you, let me tell you, so you shouldn't do it. So these are, again, a number of ways where we honor our parents through speech. Just to quickly review them is that you, um, you speak nicely to them in the way in which you speak to them. That's number one. Or two is what you say to them in terms of not causing them worry, trying to, to, trying to appease them and mollify them when they're upset. And number three is to cause others to praise them as well. All these are ways that we can honor our parents through speech. Questions, thoughts, comments? Okay, what we're going to do now is, uh, I'm going to leave this open, but I'm, I'm going to go to this tshuva. Because the next part is honor one parents in one's mind, machshava. So a, there was a Sefer Haredim on this, there was a Chai Adam on this, there's a Chut Shani on this, and then we point out there was also this, I think the, the, the level beyond all this was Rechaim Shem Levitz, where he said not just think that they're great, but think they're the greatest, which is a very difficult thing to do. So let's, I want to read this tshuva. I, I, I don't have an English copy, and or one with translation, so I printed out one for myself, but we'll go through it, and as we go through it, we'll explain, ask questions, comments, or thoughts. Again, his opening question was, do you really have to believe your parents are the greatest? You can say they're the greatest, but do you really have to believe it? So he says as follows. This is the quote we have. We have to honor one's parents both... Um, uh, yes, in three ways. Through... Machshava, through Maisa and through Dibor, through the way in which we think about them, the way in which we 
act towards them and the way in which we speak towards them. The Pasuk, he quotes a Pasuk in Tehillim. The Pasuk tells us, He is disgraced in his eyes, repulsive with those who fear God, he shall honor. What does this mean? It's no one just, don't just think it. Excuse me, don't just do it, but actually think it. Don't be two-faced here. Don't just say, oh, you're wonderful, I love you, you're the greatest, and your mind think, no, you're a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person. This is what he says. You have to really think it deep down. And when you look at them, you think they are great and wonderful people. This is what he says. So now I think why this is so important is because this actually brings us back to what Rabbi Salvajic said in the opening shear, and that is as follows. Honoring one's parents, he's going to say, is not just about serving them, which we saw. It's about the entire way in which we, re- we relate to them. A, because the g- real gratitude, it's, it's about affecting us and us actually feeling gratitude. It's about us recognizing the place that they play in the role of the Mesorah. And therefore, in a way, the honor was parents, the essence of it, co- what is covered? What is covered? You can only mechavit somebody. You can only actually have respect for someone. If you, uh, you, can only, you can only honor someone if you actually respect them. If I don't respect someone, you can't really, you're not honoring them. It's not honoring. It's, 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 you wouldn't call it respect. You wouldn't call it honor. It's totally, it's totally, it's false. You have to first recognize someone's greatness, and only then can you have a certain, you can see, can you see their dignity, and can you respect, you respect them. Which, if that's true, he says, if you only were to act towards them using uh, external actions, below covenant belay, but you don't actually have, you don't actually feel the respect, you don't actually uh, see them for their, their worth that they are. Loma is a mitzvah. You don't, you're not fulfilling the mitzvah. And why is that? Because again, and I, this is Dr. Ray Salvage told us, that true honor respect only happens when it's really internal. That's what it is. First of all, let's be honest. At a certain point, the relation, your longest lasting relationship. It's going to come out if you don't actually respect them. There's only so long you can fake things. That we all know. That's just human nature. But beyond that, the actual mitzvah, you only fulfill the mitzvah when you actually, it's an internal thing. It's an internal thing. So, yes, we are commanding, we are commanding to some extent, or to a large extent, we're commanding you to think and feel a certain way. But let's take, he, he goes on, because again, he's still bothered by our question. Not notice a love. Fine. He says the Shulchan Aruch says if, if you fulfill the mitzvah, but you, uh, you you look angry, you look upset, you you um you get punished. So first he he asks the technical question. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't mention anything about thinking. The Shulchan Aruch says if you bring your parents their delicious porridge, it sounds like a, a rabbinic thing they'd say, right? porridge. You bring them the porridge and you look angry, so you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. Why is that an analogy? Wouldn't a more extreme analogy be, or a more expansive analogy be, if you bring it to them and you think, I hate you? If you say that, then Kabbalah Homer, certainly if you look upset. So what he says is the implication seems to be the fact that Shulchan Aruch doesn't mention Machshava and only mentions the way in which you look and the way in which you comport yourself, so then you would fulfill it Machshava. So he says as follows. So based off that, number one is, and I think this already helps us, is certainly if you looked apart and you act apart, at least you seemingly get some sort of the reward. You, you still fulfill the mitzvah in some sort of way, because the Shulchan doesn't mention Makshav. Makes you feel a little better? No, so next week, next, it's being talked about um, honoring a for one's mind. That's what we're talking about now. Yeah, it, it just... 
But I'm, I'm, I'm saying what he, did you see, he said the, when the Shulch, so again, the Shulch Narach doesn't mention mine, the Shulch Narach mentions the way in which you comport yourself. Meaning if I walk up to him like, here's your food, eat it. So then you don't get the schar. What's the implication? If I only think that, you, you, you do fulfill the mitzvah. That's his point. That's, that's what he's trying to say. So he says, based off that, the Shulchan Aruch doesn't mention the concept of machshava. It seems to be, at, least, at the very least, if you think the wrong thoughts, but you act the right way, you, speak the, you talk the talk and you walk the walk, but you think the wrong thing, you're still fulfilling some sort of the mitzvah. You're still doing, you're still doing something. You're, you're halfway there, let's put it. Or you're a quarter of the way there. That's number one. This is, this is, this is him, him reading. Not, not the sh- he's reading this. Elish is ikra kibra hafsid, but he goes, the ikra. The, fun, the, the, the most uh, foundational part, the most important part, you're missing. Again, why? Is that because covet? Again, you can only respect some. You can only show respect to someone, have real respect if you actually think it. In other words, it's, it's, it's flattery. It's not real. So he said. So number one is he says clearly, even if the most fundamental part of it is the way in which we think. Again, I, I want to return to this point and highlight it. If it makes sense intuitively, it makes sense that you can't you can't show respect for someone if you don't actually respect them. It's, just, it's, it's false. It's flattery. So yes, but at the end of the day, if you do still bring the meal and you pay for their whatever, their, their vacation or whatever it may be, you certainly are doing something. You're certainly doing something. So at the very least, if we walk away from here, how can the Torah see if they think a certain thing? Don't think that means you lose out totally. He's saying that the, 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 the Sefer Haredin that we saw and the, 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 the uh, Chai Adam, they may be a, a bit more beyond what is necessarily required. That's number one. Number two. He says, "What's the source for this chayyadim?" So it's actually that's the Sefer Charedim, which is, we have in our we have in our, our source sheets. Um, who, who says again? So that if you only uh, serve God if, through speech and through action, so then you are looked at as uh, a disgrace. Rather, it says the Sefer Charedim, you should honor your parents through your mouth, because that's what God says. That the way in which you do with the machshav is you have again these, these lofty thoughts about how wonderful your parents are. So he says as follows Where does it start? If you actually think your parents are unbelievable, then of course you're going to honor them through the way you speak to them and the way in which you, you, you serve them. So he says really the starting point is going to be. Or the starting point, or perhaps even the way it makes it easier is when you actually think it, which is true for anything in life. It's very hard. You have to you, you grit your teeth when there's someone you can't stand. You have to serve. You, you think about your boss. Ever, ever, anyone here ever had a boss they didn't like, and you have to be all nice to them, so you're gritting your teeth. But if you actually respect them, like wow, they're actually such a, a thoughtful person. They care about me. They care about the work. So then it's, it's much easier to uh, to serve them and do what they, and, and do and do what they want. Cat? Yeah. This was the. The reverse of this was uh, the Parsha uh, almost three weeks ago when the two sons, Yitzhak and Esav, uh, came to... to uh, Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav came to Yitzhak for their broker because uh, 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 Yaakov got it through, um, you know, uh, through, uh, like, a circuitous route. His mother said, you know, put on your brother's clothes. He says... So he told his father, please set, stand up and eat the meal. And, and, and Yitzhak said, this can't be uh, my son Ace of the first one. Cause the way he spoke, correct. The way he spoke. And, uh, correct. There's the meal, Danny. Correct. Danny, yeah. Just a question. What if it's 
like there's a lot of subjectivity in this. Like you can even like you're saying, oh well, if my parents is great, I was love so and so got double door. Well, you could say subjectively they were the best parents for me, whatever. But what if so now you, your parents are mur an ex murderer in jail? Like they're objectively so, not a good. So it's a, two things. One, he, he he addresses it at the end of this too. We can we can read. It. I wasn't going to can read it. But two, that's also I think comes back to the discussion we had. Uh, we started last week. We'll have towards the end about abusive parents, about parents who aren't exactly exactly. So, uh, but he's gonna give two two interesting ideas. But before we get there, he says as follows. I mean, Mashalim Matim should not keep it up late as far as Bedivar has shown himself. How come we don't find most of the early sources mention this concept of of kiva believe the way of thinking that our parents are great? Yeshlom of Neishu poshet lehem. Not it's the argument from silence is not is that it's so obvious they didn't need to mention it. It's obvious to them. Shemuhusa kavod ikar mitzchila believe that true kavod, true respect for someone starts internally. It doesn't make sense, he says. The guy would say, think, someone, think terrible about someone, but serve them. It doesn't make sense, he says. In the same way we, we, we do a, we parallels, we discuss multiple times already, the way we, which we honor our parents, the way in which we honor God. And certainly when it comes to serving God, no one would say it's only external. It's all about internal. And we just mentioned in our first year that a lot of the mitzvahs are in order to build this internal, uh, internal thought process, internal way of thinking about God. So, so certainly, the tr it, it makes most sense, give me one second, that it has to be internal. If that's true, that brings us to the question which I read before is, but what if your parents are just are great and wonderful, but they're like every other Jew on the street? Yeah. Um, no, it just has to be like thinking. Um, but internalizing, we keep saying, talking about internalizing it, and you really can't show, and speak in my opinion, I um, cover for anybody, whether it be a parent, whether it be a per another person, whatever, if you don't have any code for yourself. If you, don't have, if you don't have your own internal respect for yourself, you can't show. You can't show it outwards. Correct. So, right. So really, and especially where we're, um, that's not like we're made in God's image, you know, and we're and we can't really show we can't honor our God, we can't honor Hashem without honoring ourselves and showing respect for ourselves. Which I guess is so that, that, what, that's what some point out. The Pasik is you should love your neighbor like yourself. The I mean the first step is to love yourself. That's the first step. And, and, most of them right there, and the rest is perish. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Fine. So he he number one is what he does he does here is he say, he does two things. Number one is he says that clearly no one's going to deny, and he thinks even the chayyim is going. No, they're not going to deny that if you do all the everything externally, but internally you don't think you, you know, you're you're not there yet. You still fulfill something. But then he says that then number two is step two is he says as follows. And you see again this is the way a chuba works. You build. You ask questions. You try to you set the groundwork and you build. Step two is he says why is it not mentioned anywhere? Why did the early he goes it's so obvious because again. It's not covered. You can't really. It's not respect for someone if you don't actually think it. It's just not respect. It's like that the definition of the word respect is you actually think something. It's not that I. That it's not that I say you're wonderful. It's you think it. It's just it's obvious. And he goes in Haraya. The proof is when if we're paralleling uh, the honor of one's parents to honoring God. Well, no one's gonna say, oh, you're honoring God if you're thinking all these blasphemous things. But you go and you go to Shlom Davin. 
Right? Isn't it just the opposite? Yermio says, I mean, all the all of the Nevi'im say over and over again, God says, I don't need your, I don't need your sacrifices. I don't, you, you think, you think the Mesa Mingus is, 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 it means anything to me? Or Yermio quotes God saying, the Mesa Mingus is a bunch of sticks and stones, a building. What gives it its sanctity is that you actually truly think it, and you feel it, and you have that connection. So, in a way, there's, there's something that's very logical, makes a lot of sense about this idea of Melchava, now when you think about it. Why have to honor God with Melchava? Again, leaving aside the question of how can you? It's two questions, I think. That's really what it is now. He breaks it down. It's not, there's two questions. Question number one is, do you really have to in the thought? And the question two, which, which, where the tension is, what makes it difficult is, but what if you just don't? Or what if they're just not more wonderful? So the question was, do you really have to? The answer is, yeah. That's the, that's the definition, the word kavod, of honor, respect. Not flattery. You're not just going there and you're know, like a sycophant, a guy. No, you actually believe it. Step two is, what the tension begins is, but what if, as he said, your parent... They go to work, and they come home, and they do Torah, and they keep mitzvot, and they're like every other Jew on the block. So really, they're the great, they're, such a, they're so amazing, unbelievable. Chaim Shmulevit said, the Gadol Hadar. So he does point out that Chaim Shmulevit is a bit extreme, and no one's going to, it doesn't seem like that's a mainstream approach, but still, the question remains. So listen to what he says. I think this is actually very, this is very interesting, this is very important, not just for the way in which we relate to our parents, but really how we relate to everyone. This is in this is, um, piece number Zion. It says, this that I just said, that when a person says, my father, my parents, my mother, my father, why do I have to relate to them with the, with the proper, the value and the respect that you give to one of the great ones? Certainly according to, uh, when it comes to Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, who says, He's like, and take it. What if, like, your father was just a simple Jew, and like, you're the, you're a great rabbi. You're a great rabbi. So what's going on here? How can you really, how can you really think they're greater than you? But like, you know, you know all Torah. You're a great rabbi. You're a holy person. You're, you're the good Hadar. You're sending them what says, whatever it may be. So he says as follows. And this again, this I think this, this is valuable not just for how we relate to parents, but how we relate to everyone. He goes, there are two uh, flaws in your assumption, in the assumption of this question. And this te- again, the question is a tension that's been bothering us from the beginning. Aleph. And I'm not saying this is necessarily going to answer, but it's going to help us. Certainly, your father and, and or your mother have a certain mile, a certain attribute that's specific to them that they do better than anyone else. And how do I know that? You don't find any two people who are the same. Everyone is different, meaning to say, And this is an interesting idea, he says, that the fact that you exist, and you're part of the Jewish people, and no two Jews are the same, it means that everyone has what to offer to the Jewish people. And that's why you're here. Rabbi Sachs was, was fond of quoting the uh, Rizal that says, we're a letter in the scroll. The book, Letter in the Scroll, we've read it, and when you read it, Awesome book. What's the idea? So the Arizal says there are close to 600,000 letters in the Torah, and every Jew is considered a letter. And when you're missing a letter, then the Torah is flawed. So that's what we need every single Jew. And he's taking this almost a step further and saying, and, but in each letter serves its own distinct function and purpose. This letter is the Aleph for Echad. This letter is the Shin for Shema. Whatever it may be, everyone has its own purpose. So he says as follows, and everyone, the reason you're here in this world is that 
you have something to contribute that no one else can contribute. Because of your own background and your thought process and your influences and everything that leads to where you are, you have something that you can contribute to the Jewish people that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't contribute. Just, that's the def- no one's the same. You have, two, you have two twins who are identical, look the same. Who, I, I, know, I don't know if anyone's ever read like, the Minnesota test that come out of uh, in Minnesota, the, the institute there. It's uncanny. You have two twins that were separated at birth, and they'll show up the first time meeting each other at 65 years old, dressed exactly the same. And one was raised in one country, one was raised in a totally different country. There was a study recently, there were two twins separated at birth, one was raised in a neo-Nazi house, one was raised in a Jewish house. Their views, one was neo-Nazi, and one was Jewish. But everything else, about them, they showed up wearing the same like old pair of glasses, literally. These are tests that are done. Andrew Salmon has a book, he wrote about it, for, I guess uh, more for the, uh, he wrote a book about it, you can look, you can look it up, it's, it's, it's uncanny. Yet, even twins are different. They think differently. There's something about, we all have something unique to contribute. So if that's true, So if you sit down for a moment, or maybe for a long moment, and you start thinking about it, so you'll start, if you can find every person, you can find your parents, there's something about them that's different, that they're, the reason that they have, they're alive, they can contribute to the Jewish people, that they do different and more and better than everyone else. If you think about it for a moment, there's something really beautiful about this, and there's almost something that makes sense about this. So if you can do it for everyone else, you can do it for your parents. And the more that you think about it, the more you're going to uh, realize it. So if it's true, so then you'll actually start to appreciate them. Their appreciation, something starts, you find someone, I guess the, the, you find someone who's not necessarily the nicest person, but you find just something they do that's nice. So then you, re, you start appreciating them. It also, what's why things get more complex, when you realize, like, wait, they act a certain way one way, but they also have other miles. Okay, that's, that's life. So that's number one. Number one is he says, if, you, if we want to believe this, if you, if you think about it, everyone has what to contribute. Everyone has something that they can do different and special. So at the very least, you could think about that for your parents, which, by the way, even your, your parents and the ex-murderer, that's also part of the complexity of life. That I think what makes life isn't like the, in the movies. You have a villain who's totally bad. The complexity of life is no one's totally bad. No one's totally bad. Even an ex-murderer might have made bad decisions and be terrible, horrible, very bad, a Russia. But what makes it complex is they also have certain attributes to make them you know, they do well. Okay, I'm not going to defend, I'm not defending axe murderers. But that's just also a thought. So even if you want to say, like, how could you find your parents? But there's something about them to do better. Fine. He says also, the other way to look at it, and this is almost like, if you take a step back from it, every kid thinks their parents are the greatest. Every kid thinks that, right? Uh, in a healthy way, a healthy relationship, because that's all they know. That's their world. Their world is. That's a famous joke. The two, the, two parents, the two kids were talking on the playground, and one kid in the, in the sandbox. One kid goes, you know, the Swiss Alps, my father created it. Then goes, we well, you know the Dead Sea? My father killed it. When you're little, that's what you think. So he says, but if you, if you, even as an adult, you can, in a way, tap into that. And you could say, they're everything you know. The reason you're in this world is because of your parents. That's your world. Your family is all you got, in a way. And, like, yes, there's so many other people out there. But ultimately, it's your parents and that, the family that, that you have. So I feel like shame shoot shoot him, even if they're the simplest of people. The Kosh came to share him, Bari and Mila, certainly if they're they're not the simple people. Because they brought you into this world, if they didn't exist, you wouldn't be here. Right? So you, you ever, take, go to a crowded place and look around and realize that everyone there had a mother and a father. It's like a funny feeling, but it's true. All right? So in a way, if you think about it for a moment, you can think of the greatest person in the world, the greatest rabbi, the greatest baseball player. In a way, like you, they could be so great, but like, what's your connection to them? Nothing. 
They're another person in this world. It's your parents that you have that connection to. Fine. So what he's saying is, there's, the number two is, if you put yourself in this mindset of, you know what, at the end of the day, like, what's your, we're all people, but like, it's, what's my relationship to, you, you name big, big person, they're another person. But what do you know? Who brought you into this world? Who gave you the greatest gift in, the, in life? Your parents. So you think about it that way also, that it helps you in a way reframe things. And it also helps you perhaps even forgive or overlook things. Because ultimately, if you have someone who does amazing, wonderful things for you, you're very capable, and you probably want to overlook the flaws. So, or whatever it may be, the, the parts where they're pushed, pushed, as he said, they're simple people. So what he's saying here is, and again, I hope it, it, it gives some direction, that we said there was a tension. How do you really think your parents are so great? Like, you know the truth. And the answer is, well, if you sit and focus on the areas where they are better than everyone else, because everyone has something that makes them better than everyone else, that's number one. So I think it's a beautiful idea in general. Number two is also to recognize, like, what are other people's accomplishments to you? Like, what are they? Does anyone feel a connection to, I don't know, sports, but Derek Jeter because he can catch well? No, even if you go for the Yankees and you wear Yankee towels. Like, at the end of the day, he's, he's a random dude. But your parents, I mean, their accomplishments. He'll be my nephew soon, but... Who will? According to my name. I hear, I hear. But even if you're nephew, no, no one likes nephews. Okay. So that's that's that that's that's um that's the point that this um the, the Mishnah Cohen wants to make. So when it comes to the rush again, it's more complicated. I don't want to get into it now. It gets more, it's, it's more complicated. But he does mention there is there is an element where you can look even in the you know, the, the complexity of life is that even the evil people have parts of them that. So when it comes to parents, there's room to whatever to, to, people want to overlook. But I don't want to get into that. I'm, uh, that's not for now. So where does that leave us? Number one, number, uh, then we'll, uh, let's, let's start from the beginning. Number one, we, 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 we talked about how to honor our parents through speech. We said it's wh- the way we talk to them. It's how we talk to them. It's what we talk to them about, but also how we cause others to talk about them. And number two is we're really bothered by this Mahshava piece, but the way that the Mishnah's Cohen points it out is like, that's the basis. Like that's the that's the fundamental the most fundamental building block because it's through machshava that everything else comes not just practically because when you think about someone's great then you want to relate to them that way there's a certain charisma that they start having but because that's what covet is it's not covet it's flattery it's it's it, we, it, otherwise and then we said so the intention is how do you really think your parents are the greatest when you know everyone has their miles and chesronas everyone has their positive attributes and negative attributes but when you focus on the part that's really amazing which everyone has something that stands out that can help you at least get there some of the way. Questions, thoughts, comments?